Sanchez Welcome back to Podcast 99. I'm Ryan Lichten here with Parks Miller. And uh, today's a pretty heavy episode. It's heavy times, though, that we're, we're living in now. We, we, we took a little break from posting for a while. We decided to, you know, kind of quell our voices in a time when so many other voices seem to have so much more to say and do have so much more to say. So we decided to kind of take a step back, especially because it was... Hard to justify releasing an episode about senseless rioting when there was not so senseless rioting happening out on the streets right outside of our homes, <laughs> uh, essentially. Yeah. You know, so uh, we're we're back now, though. Right, and I mean, also just to say, you know, as if some of you who follow the podcast here, uh, you know, we're not always on the tightest of schedules. <laughs> so yeah. it, it wasn't necessarily that, but we did actually have an episode uh, ready to go. And it was the first episode about the riots. And then of course, there's been a ton of protesting and some of them have, you know, turned into a lot of fires and what some people call riots. And then there's all these, you know, discussions about what is going on. It's pretty intense. Um, so we just we didn't want to be like, capitalizing on that in any way, uh, by posting like an episode right in like right when all of this stuff was like really at a peak and had just started. Um, but we do kind of want to like make a comment of it just because it is this weird thing that on our own microcosmic timeline of being obsessed with Woodstock 99, we're just at this point where we're talking about riots. And then now this thing is happening all over the country. And I mean, really even in parts of all over the world. So just another one of those like weird timing things that we've seemed to have like come up just like how we started this thing and then there was the Woodstock 50. And so just sort of this, just this bizarre thing. Um, and I had just really kind of quickly made this comparison of where even though we at podcast and I have done a ton to talk about and sort of like try to get into maybe the mindset of the people writing and stuff, uh, there was one thing that I kind of immediately like I was on the phone with Ryan where we were just talking about how here you're talking about something like the price of water being expensive, which, you know, in our context of podcasts, we've talked a ton about like, yeah, a $4, $7 bottle of water. It is outrageous. Um, but then you're comparing something like where at least the national conversation is like these this like human life, you know, right. and that's, yeah, that, exactly. the stakes are much higher. But the only reason why I bring it in is just because it is it does kind of reflect back on like the mentality of Woodstock, whereas like these things that caused people to like get upset and burn millions of dollars worth of merchandise like that was in their own way. Like this is what is worth it to us. This is. Right. It, it, it's frustration. Fight. We're working itself <laughs> right. out. But we're, you know, and we just, yeah, I guess, you know, what we're trying to say is we didn't want to come out with our episode about, you know, part one of the riots and kind of make it like a simile to the things that were happening now. You know what I mean? Right. Because it's not, right. they're not the same thing. <laughs> you know they're not I mean? the same thing at all. And, and then that's the thing where I was like, okay, I know we've tried to like, you know, we've, we've played the, the corporate greed part 
and how they were jacking up the prices. But at the same time, when you think about it, it's like, you know, most of these people, they could afford at least to pay the ticket price in the first place. So we're not, it's one of those funny things where it's like, I think that it's like people are already, they should have some amount of disposable income if they're planning on going to a music festival. Right. And granted, they might be getting screwed and it could be somewhat of that fire festival situation. Like a promoter or an organizer of a festival can truly like put people's lives in dangers. But I think it, to me, it also just, again, signifying the way that like there's so, all these new metal bands and it's kind of this like angsty, like woe is me mentality. And that kind of like, fuck you, mom and dad thing. Like it really boiled over here. And again, I just think that that when you compare it to something like just can I go down the street and live my life, you know, right. Without the danger of being like shot or killed by a police officer, there is a huge it, it puts there. things into perspective. Like we've been justifying, yeah. we've been justifying the Woodstock riots, like this entire series up to 40 episodes. Now this is our 40th right. episodes episode folks. That, right. That's, that's pretty impressive <laughs> to stretch out Woodstock 99 this long, but you know, we've always been kind of on the side of, of the, of the, the hooligans, you know, at, at Woodstock 99, but it really does kind of put it into perspective when you see people destroying property and, you know, venting their frustration over very real, very serious, serious life-altering issues as opposed to a poorly planned concert it kind of you know makes right. the intensity of woodstock 99 seem rather silly uh, in in, re- right. in retrospect but or at least the the purpose maybe that maybe like the the, the goal purpose yeah it doesn't chaos. it doesn't seem like that big of a deal when right. you know when when the same reaction can be elicited through something very very serious as opposed to yeah being ripped off for bottles of water and you know yeah. not you the, know the intensity not having bathrooms Right. The intensity is is pretty real. And that was definitely something I wanted to talk about in this episode, just because I wasn't totally sure if I had covered some of these videos we had seen, like these on the ground, kind of these amateur reporters where like the the images of people lighting shit on fire like that at Woodstock, it is really intense and frightening because you're really just thinking like this is not supposed to be happening. Well, and it, and but it's, also it's maybe drugs. because there's a truly chaotic. It, yeah, it's it's a lot of drugs and there's chaos. And then that's uh, that's kind of what this episode is about is there's there's also gonna be some much more darker, nefarious shit that's going on. And maybe that's because there isn't really like a true sense of like what the fuck anyone is doing because everyone's just been acting fucking crazy all right yeah filled up with drugs not drinking enough water so yeah it's it's bad it's still bad that's for sure yes or it is bad it is bad is how i should say it yes and uh it's you know there's i obviously we're off to a very fun start here uh on this This episode and i gotta and i gotta tell you folks it's it's not gonna uh, brighten up uh, for for a little while here. We right. have, we have some pretty dark stuff, but we also but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's know, okay. We, it's part, it's knew, part of it's part of the deal. We knew this was coming. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah, it, it, it's part of the deal. We've had to cover some pretty some pretty nasty things, you know, uh, on this show. Uh, not talking about rusted root set. I'm talking about yeah, uh, I mean, I'm talking about very serious, and, very serious right. crimes. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, oh definitely. my god, we've been getting uh, a couple, you know, pretty bummed out uh, emails and comments from people, uh, 
you know, yes, uh, I'll be the first to admit, we've been pretty tough on, on a majority of the bands that have played at Woodstock 99, but it's like Mystery Science Theater where, like, the robots, you know, they make fun of those movies on that show, not because the movies are so shitty, but because they have to watch them all. And the only way to stay mm-hmm. sane when you watch every single act at any festival is to, you know, poke fun and shit. But uh, I, have right. a whole, and, I have a whole statement about, about that later on. I just thought I'd, I'd, right. I'd bring it up. And I mean, also, to you know, to be fair in some of those shit-talking roasting is, I mean, we're also laughing at just the way it was presented via pay-per-view. You know, like, I'm not, like, I I saw The Offspring when I was in middle school, and I loved it, because I was actually in the crowd, and it actually sounded like the, the skate punk rock and roll that I needed when I was in seventh grade. <laughs> that you needed. But when, we, but, <laughs> but when you watch it on the pay-per-view, it adds this level of hilarity because there is this missing element of like, let's mix this to sound good on pay-per-view. So everything is like really dry and like maybe not mixed well and like all the flubs just get caught up. So yeah, and yes, you know, you we're just not don't that have, dumb. Yeah. Like we understand that in the context, if you're in the middle of a crowd and everything's mixed right and it's washing you over and the everything's blended, it would sound, we, it probably would have sounded better, but we just that's kind of the thing is we just have all these videos and you just if you take them at face value they're fucking hilarious most of them yes. and most of them don't sound good yes. like maybe take me to a rusted root concert maybe it'll sound good you know maybe it would be better yeah. than that and i can't but that's probably I, you know, like the worst example of it and it's like yeah, we've gone and seen, uh, you know, arguably what could be the most like shit talked band of all time, ICP. I've seen them several times, and I gotta say, uh, not bad live. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. as far as far as why uh, some bands get it worse than, than other bands, or it's surprising to people, it's uh, some of it's based on experience, some of it's based on uh, where we were at. Uh, personally, on the day that, that right, we right. recorded, you know. But uh, besides that, an- another thing that, that we'd like to go over are just a couple little details that, that we might have gotten uh, mixed up. Um, there, there's yeah. only a couple things. Mm-hmm. They're, they're both Lang-related. Lang um, mm-hmm. If you remember way back when we were talking about the origins of Woodstock and the original Woodstock, we mentioned how Michael Lang, who was from Florida, he had a head shop down there, and he threw a festival which was called the Miami Pop Fest. Well, I just learned that that, too, was a complete disaster. All, oh. all the same problems. Not enough bathrooms. No way to keep people, you know, from getting in for free, so really no way to enforce ticket sales, and just mud and terrible conditions all over. A complete flub. Uh, and that was mm. his very first concert. His next one would be the original Woodstock. So, right. you know, it, it just adds more more history to this Lang not knowing what he's doing, okay. yet being responsible for the biggest concerts of all time. Mm-hmm. That's funny. And bathrooms is, that was the other correction that I so when I was editing the last episode, I had gotten really excited about the whole Lang quote of him saying that he was you know with a clipboard just making notes of people in and out of the bathroom, timing them with a stopwatch, and I thought that was so funny because it seemed so unprofessional uh, as a way to get it. But the just in the most minute correction detail, I realized when I re-listened to the audio, he was referring. To, that's how he did it for the original Woodstock. Right. Which I guess gives it some context, at least. Like, if I guess if he, I don't know, I guess if he does it in the 60s, it's like 
you know, they don't have as much technology or information about crowds or whatever as say oh, if yeah, you did you it in know, like 1993. But still, it's still kind of dude, silly. Yeah, no, he probably uh, just used the same numbers. That's <laughs> like, a, yeah, we can still spin this as roasting him because I think that he probably thought that hey, it worked in 1969. It'll work in 1999. Yeah, or he's like, dude, I'm the and big, probably, I'm, yeah. I'm the big boss man now. I'm gonna send someone else to go. Time the toilet. Right, right. Yeah, you got. <laughs> yeah, like you got to do this thing here. He's, he's got like the stopwatch still. Yeah. He like he like takes it off of a little plaque. He's like, here, go take this stopwatch and go. Yeah. Well, it's go like to, like this. The, all those Woodstock '99 employee shirts, like we've posted pictures of and talked about, where each like kind of subsection of employees had their own T-shirt with like their title on the back. I'm sure there was like a nasty brown one that just said like shit timers on the back yeah. and that was that was the squad responsible for uh you know timing how long people spend in the bathrooms and how many they need for the time so yeah previously on podcast 99 we were talking about the riots uh red hot chili peppers had finished the crowded you know turned into a, a unruly mob. Of course, you know, when you look at the amount of people actually participating in some of these activities, it's quite small uh, compared to the actual amount of people that were at the concert as a whole. But it's still enough. I mean, 10,000 people doing crazy shit is 10,000 people doing crazy shit. So we were talking about how they broke into the tractor trailers. There was explosions. They were trying to get into the offices. All A lot of the merch stands were being looted. The police came in and were kind of shooing everyone out. They're forming kind of these formations that kind of funnel everyone out, round, round them up like cattle, if you will. Um, we have a couple more details about that stuff. Um, and where we left you off, we were going to talk about one of the other crimes that was happening. And this is a major thing that's been happening throughout the entire festival. And of course, it's the sexual assaults. Um, but before we get into this, I just wanted to clarify uh, as far as some of these numbers go and, and these figures, uh, the amount of reported crimes, arrests and crimes, witnessed, crimes, filmed crimes, estimated, they all differ depending on what source you're using for your information. So we tried to get concrete numbers, but most of the information we've chosen because they're the most commonly reported. For instance, they say, you know, what we've seen in several publications is that there was a total of eight sexual assaults reported. Um, so that's kind of been the number that we, we stood by there was the um, main number that we've seen uh, for injuries throughout the entire weekend is around 20,000 that's generally what we stick to although I've, I've been seeing some other numbers so we kind of average it you know what I mean mm-hmm. but what we have in, right. in for this episode uh, are some you know we, we, we have some pretty concrete real stories and uh, we don't really give warnings uh, on this show, but because it's a lighthearted show, I would just like to say that, yes, we're about to get into a f- fairly graphic description of one particular crime. And the purpose in doing so is because this is one where it's not um, a suspected thing. It, it, it's not it, it's something that we know happened for sure. And it's right. And we, this, is, this is an actual crime that was in the news. And, uh, yeah, and we have the full we have the full story yeah. for it. So so that's why we're we're not trying to you know be outrageous or or, or anything like that. Yeah, and I mean I mean we're not going to make jokes about that. You know, no, of but course not. I think that, and again, just to try and get you know the philosophical like whatever the the overarching theme of Woodstock is that there was just a shit ton of this like really really misplaced like male anger aggression vibe yeah and it and it went into places that you know just it's not just like a 
oh, this is just a song and this is just whatever. Like it went into other places. It went into actual like real life. Right. You know. And uh, so that's that's kind of what it is. So we're not going to like ignore that these things happened. And yeah, this is the, just the not fun episode. So anyway, yeah, let's, yeah. <laughs> but it is, I mean, you know, this is this. Is, I mean, folks, uh, f- episode 40. This is pretty much the last episode right. of us reporting things from the ground. Everything else that we're right. going to do for this after here is kind of uh, a wrap up. But this is the last kind of things that are happening. So. And it, I mean, it, and it also it just it ends terribly. Like that's yeah, yeah. Every, there's no, come on, yeah, we all knew no this was coming at the end of the tunnel here. It, yeah, it, it really ends really shittily. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. What it no, is. no one walks. It's, yeah. it's like eating mm-hmm. at Golden Corral. It's really fun uh, when you get there, but no one leaves. <laughs> no one leaves feeling good about it. Uh, people, people that left that leave a Golden Corral are ashamed of some of the things they might have done in there or seen that they didn't stop. And it's very I've similar to this situation. Yeah. I think on like a cross country trip, we went to Golden Corral and I like puked like thirty minutes later. Oh, dude! Um, I but, saw a but kid. also R.I.P. Golden Corral, possibly. No, if the, no. If the buffet ever comes back, we, but, I went uh, on a big hey. I went on a big drive the other day and I I saw a Golden Corral and there was people lining up outside of it. I don't know if they were trying Whoa. to like bust into it or if they were just waiting, but it seemed like they were open. But for those of you oh that God. don't know, Golden Corral is a buffet, and uh, the way that they have it set up is like. Here's like your, you know, taste of the Orient and here's your fucking Americana barbecue and here's the Baja flavors and it's like split up like shit like that. You know what I mean? And then they have like a dessert area and they always have a chocolate fountain. And when I went to Golden Corral, I saw this little kid like staring at this chocolate fountain like I'm like, this kid's going to do something. And he, he just very slowly stretches his hand into the chocolate fountain submerges his hand completely like up to the elbow basically in chocolate and then pulls it out slowly and just admires it spilling chocolate all over the floor and i was like holy fuck but anyways so yes all right we're gonna get into it now that's enough with the golden corral talk so from what we've gathered the number of reported sexual assaults involving woodstock 99 was split between on-site incidents and incidents that happened after the festival ended and spilled out into the town now we've always claimed that there was eight reported sexual assaults but according to the deputy chief of rome police he told the media that only four were actually reported to to the police with only one of those occurring at the actual festival. So what we're thinking or what, what, you know, what what I'm thinking happened is while some were reported to the press and while some medical uh, staff working on the grounds at Woodstock 99 might've told members of the press about things that they have seen, those were taken into account. But according to Rome police, those, there was only four that actually came across their desk. Um, Now, whether or not some got lost, who knows? We all know that, you know, police work and, right. and, so, and sexual assault, you know, re- reporting can get a little dicey, but that right. that's what we're so seeing. Got, yeah. You got what the police tell the press and then the press has their own ways of, you know, getting it. Yeah. Sensationalizing so. it and, and stuff too. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately with a story like this, you know, if you hear that there was an awful, you know, gang rape at Woodstock 99, unfortunately the, the kind of instinct of the press is to really ride with that, you know? So it, it wouldn't surprise right. me if they were doubling up on things or just taking hearsay, but also it's completely reasonable to believe that there was many, many, many more sexual assaults than just four. Right. Uh, that's because typically I mean, they I mean, get we've under, seen more than four sexual assaults during one set you know i mean yeah exactly yeah so i mean yeah they i mean sexual assault typically gets underreported or un you know dealt with by the police when it, if it actually comes to that right so 
So there was a lady, her name was Rosemary Venero. She was the rape crisis counselor working with the Rome Police Department. And she said that their attackers thought because they were female and at Woodstock that that was enough reason to attack them. She also added that typically only one third of sexual assaults are reported. So it's safe to assume that there were several other assaults that occurred. Now, Venero also described a horrifying attack on a 15-year-old girl who was trying to find a bathroom after she left the concert grounds. This one's really dark, folks. A 26-year-old named Timothy Whedon encountered her outside of a convenience store and led her to a secluded area that would, in his words, be safe to go to the bathroom at. Because what had happened was she was trying to find a place to go to the bathroom. The convenience store didn't allow her to use theirs because there's thousands of kids coming into this town. Now, there's people all over the streets, everywhere, spilling into town. Some people trying to leave. You know, some people just looking for something to do after all this craziness. And so she's getting ready to go to the bathroom outside behind this convenience store where she's approached by this guy, Timothy Whedon. Who says you're going to get a ticket for indecent exposure if you do that? Here, I'll show you a safe place uh, over off in in these trees. You know, this is upstate New York, mm-hmm. so there are so yeah. wooded areas around. Uh, he then brutally raped her when he got her uh, into that secluded area, and it came to light after his capture that he was actually working as a vendor at Woodstock for the weekend. But his actual job outside of Woodstock was he was a prison guard. So he was actually a member of law enforcement. He was initially charged with first-degree sodomy, third-degree sodomy, first-degree sexual abuse, and endangering the welfare of a child. See, because he was caught after he had done that, the... These good Samaritans, other young folks, saw him leaving, saw the girl, put two and two together, and basically chased him down and and flagged down the police and got him arrested. Um, When he went to court, though, all but one of his charges were dropped, and Whedon served only six years in prison. Now, that's terrible. Uh, I mean, go figure, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's the genius of our justice system. But this was a much more calculated and predatory attack than what we had previously heard about. For instance, the gang rape during corn set that was reported by the crisis interventionist Dave Schneider, who was interviewed by Spin Magazine. He had claimed that it seemed to be more of an opportunistic thing because it's topless girls being crowd surfed to you. There's 100,000 people around you. Everyone's going crazy. There's a billion noises. No one's really going to know what you're doing. Um, This is I mean, there's. No way to tell, but I mean, just in what I know through my extra, you know, my not podcast uh, career uh, and studying criminals and, and things of that nature. I mean, it's pretty safe to assume that he probably followed that girl for a long time or had the wherewithal to wait outside the gates in a populated area and look for the stragglers and look for the, yeah. for, for the people that he considered to be weak because they were all alone. It's really terrifying. And it kind of brings the whole, you know, Woodstock 99 idea of sexual assault to, to a different place, a, a much darker place even than some of the spontaneous, you know, things that we've heard where people are getting, you know, pulled into porta potties or pulled into a tent or grabbed in the crowd, which is, I mean, still terrifying are, and awful. Those are still like terrifying in a completely different yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, it's just a different way that we didn't think about. You know, you, you, you like don't really, think about a predator yeah. roaming the grounds of Woodstock right. looking for a rape victim, and that's, it, and that's it what you saw. Completely makes sense in the, especially when you have, because once you have riot police come in, you've got shit on fire, and like no one really knows what's going on. The, I mean, is the festival even over? Whatever, and you, yeah, you've got people that are. This this could be their first festival experience. If you're 15, I mean, this easily could have been her first festival, stuff like that. And then with a nearby town, it's like it definitely 
is like the breeding ground for like really, really like opportunistic predators to be like, okay, late at night. Yeah. I, there's just so many elements of just like, and the guys, yeah. you know, the guy's 11 years older than the girl. He's a prison guard. He has experience in law enforcement. I mean, obviously it's not like he's like a detective and knew how to like, you know, knew the kind of MO of, rapist and things like that but he mm -hmm. knew enough to present himself as a responsible person and and gain the trust of an innocent young girl you know and he right. and he worked at the fucking prison hopefully the same fucking prison that his ass got sent to you know what i mean because <laughs> like if you're a prison guard and you end up in prison for raping a fucking teenager news. you that's not an easy six it. years to serve but still yeah. six years does not seem appropriate for that no. severe of a crime um right but you know, so and that's kind of the last that we hear of that happening, you know, right, um, but this this particular story was publicized a lot. Yes, like because it was an actual name. There was a conviction, an actual like charge and conviction. So, again, I mean, that's just like the one element where it's like this thing happened. It's more concrete. But there's so much murkiness. Yes. Know, with, and, and you know, um, another thing that the chief of police had yeah. said, well, well, the chief of police, he had also said, he, uh, you know, while they were aware of certain crimes and things happening within the grounds of Woodstock, pretty much their real jurisdiction, like that they considered to really kind of be the, the top priority was outside. So once something happened outside of the gates, then it became their business. When it was inside the gates, it was more of a get everyone the fuck out thing, you know, as opposed to, you know, if someone came up to them and said, oh, well, this happened. I mean, it's it's it would be very tough for them to lock down the culprit when there's thousands of people and it happened around thousands of people. You know what I mean? So they probably didn't put any effort into those accusations at all. But meanwhile, they have this thing happening outside the gates. That's a pretty clear cut case. So, you know, that's why I feel like we see a conviction in this particular case, but not mm -hmm. say the one of the girl during corn, you know, who was then right. passed up to the medic tents afterwards. And that's probably when the story really got out. Right. And I mean, that's just such a chaotic scenario of like, how do you then, if you've had a traumatic experience like that in a crowd full of hundreds of thousands of people, then how could you go at like the, the ability to run away yes. uh, would be so easy. The ability to make yourself uh, scarce, you know, that just wouldn't really be able to. No. Uh, yeah. It'd be really hard to, unless like literally like someone like a police, like a cop was right there when it happened. Right. You know? No, yeah, exactly. And even then, so, you know, I mean, we, we've seen videos where, you know, guys are, are walking around, you know, Woodstock with a big stick or something. And the cops are like, hey, put that down. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and they just do. Right. You know. Right. So uh, we're going to move on to another subsection. We haven't really talked about this too much, but we have the body count. When all was said and done, the festival claimed the lives of four people. A 45-year-old man with a pre-existing heart condition. We discussed him on an earlier episode. I believe he had gone to the original Woodstock. Stock. He had had open heart surgery about two weeks before this and uh, was just not ready to be out in that kind of heat in those conditions and ended up dying. Uh, there was a 31-year-old man who died due to heat exhaustion. A woman died in a car accident while leaving the festival. Um, so, I mean, th does that really count? I don't know. Yes or no. But she had her Woodstock wristband on when, when she died. And a 24-year-old man died after suffering extreme heat exhaustion, and which eventually led to hypothermia, which I didn't know could happen, by the way. Uh, well, he was in the pit for Rage Against the Machine and then later Metallica. Uh, this man's name was David DeRosia. His mother, Lorelai Johnson, attempted to sue the promoters and medical staff of Woodstock 99, but the lawsuit eventually fizzled out uh, because there was no, I mean, 
I, I, I'm guessing that the defense for the promoters was, well, there were so many other people treated for these same things, you know, and the, they were all fine. Right. There was no way, like, you know what I mean? It, not, it's, not we we, we were doing like the best the... we could, you know, and these right. all these thousands of people are the example of that. It's unfortunate mm-hmm. that out of these thousands, one passed away. Um, yeah. But yeah, so four people died uh, at, at that, you know, that are reported dying at Woodstock 99 or mm-hmm. involved with Woodstock 99. Uh, right. It's estimated that between 7,500 to 10,000 people were treated for injuries or heat exhaustion during the festival, although other news sources put that number closer to 20,000. And I'm going to say that's mm. more accurate. I mean, during corn alone, it was estimated that one person was taken to the medic tent every 20 seconds of their set. So that's right. yeah, three times six. That that's Jeez. like I mean that's a shitload of fucking people. You know that's like 180 fucking people just just during one set. I think I got mm-hmm. the math right on that. Um, now now I mean just for perspective though. I mean at most major festivals. Uh, I mean like Bonnaroo for instance. At least one person dies a year. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. So yeah, it's usually drugs yeah, because. It's it's your you are putting yourself in kind of like a out of the ordinary scenario with heat, drug consumption, and then stamp like with large crowds and maybe not eating or drinking enough water. That being said, but again, right, a lot more crazy shit happens here. Yeah, well, and you know, I mean, people died at the original was like a guy got rolled over by a fucking tractor. A dude had a heroin overdose. You know what I mean? Right. We're talking about heat exhaustion, but I mean, three people, three out of the four people that died that weekend was all from the same cause. Now, you know, all different ages, too. I mean, they're all 10 years span. You had 20, you know, guy in his 20s absolute physical prime then you had a guy early 30s same kind of deal i mean i'm in my early 30s i am definitely not in my physical prime but i'm gonna assume that this guy was then you have this 45 year old guy who yeah it just had a major heart operation probably wasn't in the best shape to be there that weekend so it's yeah it's, i mean going to a metallica pit and then a rage against the machine pit uh back to back in august heat is a that's a physical demand that's something that you need you need a lot of energy and stamina and health and water yeah and water and just a lot of water yeah so and yeah. uh we, we found out too uh that now now moving on to to some of the lighter lighter stuff here uh we found out though that the hardest hit vendor after everything happened was the ace hardware people now ace hardware was one of the main sponsors of woodstock 99 they had these gigantic vendor tents uh, in a couple different locations on the grounds and they sold stuff mostly for the campers so like or like ravers, like glow sticks, water, things like that. But also you could get like a little gas burner grill for your campsite. You could get, you know, sunscreen and disposable cameras and cups and Mm -hmm. hats and and all sorts of different stuff that you would get from, you know, flashlights, batteries, you know, uh, shit like that. Um, But they lost 14 of their tractor trailers. So when you see the pictures of all the trailers lined up that have completely exploded, those pretty much all belong to Ace Hardware. So, I mean, and, you know, that along with everything that they had uh, that was taken from their tents, that's a major, major multi-million dollar hit for Ace Hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, but, right. you know, it's Ace Hardware, so the biggest sponsor, of course, would take the biggest hit because they had the most to lose on the grounds there. Uh, let's talk about the arrest reports now, though. We uh, we have these great newspapers, you know, that we've gotten from from Rome, the Rome Sentinel, the Daily Sentinel newspaper. It's the the local paper for Rome, New York, been a huge source of information. We've talked about it a bunch of times. Uh, they actually printed these arrest reports because, you know, 
well, most like the most common number of arrest reports that we've seen, like the reported arrest for the entire festival of Woodstock is always 44, but it's been difficult to lock down the exact numbers or the exact charges. Uh, however, though, Rome is a small town, so it's very, you know, it's commonplace for these small town newspapers to print their arrest reports right on the front page, you know, or have a section where it's like this happened. And it's usually like, oh, Duncan got wasted again and got another DUI <laughs> and everyone knows the town drunk or, oh, the fucking, yeah. you know, McNally kid fucking, mm-hmm. you know, busted a mailbox open or something but on this particular day which was uh, the the 26th so these are the arrest reports for Saturday night through Sunday night and it's like a page there's 18 total arrests and that's just from one Mm -hmm. concert I mean that's a lot but when you when you look at what the charges are it's I mean at first I was looking at this list like okay not all of these could be from Woodstock I'm sure someone local got arrested for something but they also print where they're from so I could tell right away Yeah. Mm-hmm. So out of the 18 none of them people, from New York. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And like out of the 18 people that were arrested, none of them were from Rome. Five of them were just yeah. for criminal possession of marijuana, uh, you know, which is what the fuck. That's nothing. Two were for trespassing, which is probably people jumping over the fence and, you know, going through someone's yard or being mm-hmm. in a being in a part of Griffiths that they weren't necessarily supposed to be in. Um, you know, there, there was some robbery going on. I'm sure that was happening either within the tents or could have even been in cars. Um, there was a car robbery. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm, I'm sure it, it was cars. Uh, one of the people that got busted for the unlawful possession of marijuana also had $16,000 in cash on him. So that, that was, Ooh. that's probably a big old bummer there. Uh, we had a, we had a guy, Mr. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say the name. Cause again, folks, they print these names on the front page of a newspaper uh, you know and and with the, right. the the big story that we talked about you know th- that was on the front page of the new york times so i really don't feel bad at all for putting these people's names out there but a gary price of syracuse new york uh, he was arrested for sexual abuse asshole who only who knows what he did i wasn't able to find anything on on his story um and then we have one this is my favorite uh, Kevin Johnson of Colorado Springs, he was in violation of public health law for having nitrous oxide on <laughs> him. So he had a, he had a t- those tanks are so big, they're so unwieldy. I know how know? are you supposed it's to get like, away? <laughs> how? They must get like you got to get like you got to give your nitrous dealer like a real like tip or something. Ye- Bringing a tank to a festival. Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah. It's a yeah delivery fee for fuck's sake. Um, yeah. and, and you know, of course, there's going to be people driving intoxicated, leaving that. I'm surprised there wasn't a lot more, but I'm sure a lot of people just were like, "Yo, we're not even going to try and get out of this right now," because right. it was just bedlam with all the cars and the tents and everyone leaving. And you know, of course, police cars, fire trucks, everything. I'm sure there it wasn't easy to get out. Um, so I'm sure the few people that did were like had that drunken, you know, courage, or it's like, no, we get, I, I gotta get the fuck home, dude. I fuck this, and uh, pushed it a little too far. Uh, there was a guy; he he was arrested uh, with criminal possession of a hypodermic needle and possession of a controlled substance. Uh, so that 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 that's no good either. My favorite though is a, a Martin Montgomery of New Hampshire. He got arrested for disorderly conduct and criminal impersonation, which like would either be. I mean, you can criminally impersonate a lot of different things i'd like to think that he was acting like a cop or something like that but who knows what what the fuck he was doing i mean uh didn't dmx got arrested for impersonating a federal agent once so really yeah dang i'm like really fascinated by people that like impersonate your military or cop police officer like that is like a very specific yeah i found all these weird like call out videos where 
like at like military related events like there's always like an impersonator there and someone calls him out and it's i mean it's really bizarre i don't know oh well there's it's like a, yeah well there's like the stolen valor but then there, yeah. but then there's like people that are like oh no this way folks like this way and like doing like right. you know it's probably just some wasted guy who got like a hold of a flashlight and was like guiding traffic wrong or some th- shit <laughs> or it could have been something way darker you know it what i mean been, yeah who, who knows right it's hard to tell again you know i tried looking into more of these a lot of these charges were, were dropped you know and, and especially some of the disorderly conduct and, and things like that those are dropped or they serve just like you know a, a month or so which you know is a lot of time more time than i'm sure i, I could survive because i'm a wimp but it's not like these people were like thrown away for forever for their uh you know shenanigans at woodstock 99 i mean shit if the guy that you know brutally assaulted a young girl only got six years i can only imagine what the guy that got busted busting an atm open got you know what i mean he probably got a slap on the wrist um there was also a huge fire though uh that happened in the housing of griffiths air force base not the concert area this is like with like with it's still within the air force base but it's considered to be off-site so to speak because it was kind of off limits Mm -hmm. you would take Mm -hmm. golf carts to and fro and that's where a lot of the employees would stay because as we talked about the peace patrol was bunkered up there and so were a lot of the vendors you stayed on site in barracks housing essentially and the authorities said that the origin of the fire was suspicious and this particular area of the housing was where the peace patrol guys were saying or staying and we know that the peace patrol guys this whole weekend were stealing from each other you know taking off their shirts and 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 not working and just going about woodstock giving up we also learned that at a certain point on sunday the peace patrol was instructed to help the rioters tear down the peace wall with them because they're like, look, they're just going to keep breaking shit and finding more shit to burn the more shit that's left up. So get out there and start like break shit before anyone else (laughs) can break shit. The ultimate irony. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like fighting fire with fire. You know, it's like that kind Mm -hmm. of mentality. It's like, okay, well like if they don't have any more peace wall, they're not going to burn any more peace wall. So get out there and start busting it down. You know, Mm -hmm. And I'm sure a lot of them were already breaking shit, anyways. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I I think the the fires, the fires and the destruction. I mean, again, not to the the sexual assault, the rape is very horrible. Um, but I I mean, I would probably say that, and then just the way that it kind of like got into the news cycle and like got into people's consciousness. That and then the fires themselves are just these are the things that are really distinguishing. Like this is not. normal shit this is not the way it's supposed to go down like something has deviated horribly and just for that last night like i could imagine that last night being really terrifying if you somehow didn't get out and you were just like fuck everyone around me is just going crazy you know right but i mean again we've also heard though from you know several survivors and through emails and stuff that a lot of people weren't scared and weren't freaked out because the anger wasn't being directed towards any one person in particular it was directed towards the festival itself so you know there was tons of people walking around filming shit i mean our survivor andy you know he kind of you know lightly interviewed some people during all this and yeah. walked around and some people felt that you know they, they weren't necessarily in danger i feel like it has to do with 
kind of your experiences. You know what I mean? Like if this mm-hmm. was like your first big concert and you're like an Alanis Morissette fan who couldn't wait to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers perform and this is, you know, your first big right. concert out of high school and you got to stay with your friends, like, yeah, I can see that being really fucking scary. You know, like mm-hmm. going back to yeah. what, what I was yeah. thinking when I, I was remembering when I saw you know, rage and people were setting fires. Yeah. I was like 18, 19 years old. I was fucking freaked out, but now I'd be like, Oh shit. You know what I mean? And like, there's like the two halves. There's like, well, there was the crowd Mm -hmm. that was too old for all this shit. They were like, God, fucking assholes, idiots. No one's been showing their brain this whole fucking weekend, you know? So they're already on their way out. Then you have the people old enough to a like, appreciate what's going on and participate. And then you have the people that are old enough to appreciate what's going on, but not participate. And then you mm-hmm. have the young people who are so young that they think it's cool to do this. And they're so young that they're too scared. It's like each demographic of right. age groups are split between like those willing to do and those pro burning, you know? Yeah. Against. Yeah. 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 No, that's a good point. That's a very good point. But if you, if you're a vendor, like I feel like the vendors were probably the most scared of anyone because they're the ones that were actually being targeted. You know, they're the mm-hmm. ones that with, with their livelihood at stake. A lot of them, you know, like we understood from our, uh, our vendor, you know, survivor three-way episode, you know, this is a cash business. These people had thousands right. upon thousands of dollars of cash on them. Some of them upwards of even close to a hundred thousand dollars. And, you know, and it's just in a lockbox, you know, in their van and, you know, they have yeah. their kids with them because this is a family business and they, they tour around the country during summer and go to all these festivals. It's like, that's terrifying shit. You know what I mean? When you have to think about defending a, your livelihood for the whole year, b your goods and then see your fucking family, you know? It's like right. that, that's when it's that's when it gets scary, I, I I think. And then also for the people that work there, like when we you know, when we talked to Brian, our survivor, and he said that the employees were nailing the door shut from the inside, they were probably scared that yeah, if the rider if the people got into the offices, that's fucking it. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like everything's gonna get yeah. torn the fuck apart now. So right. it's it's just a it was just a wild fucking scene that just turned into absolute havoc and bedlam. And that's kind of where it where it ended, you know. Then the, the sun came up the next day, and the fog and the steam and the smoke rising from the grounds is kind right. of the last memory anyone has of Woodstock '99 visually. And there's great uh, pictures, uh, some videos. I mean, some people stuck it out. And there's if you on YouTube, there's a couple videos of people just slowly driving across just piles of like smoking wreckage uh, you know and the sun's come up and again let's compare it to you know woodstock 99 monday morning is when Jimi hendrix played the national anthem because right. everything went behind so schedule that so you've i mean you do have these pretty iconic and just they couldn't be more different than each other <laughs> yeah yeah no no so. it, it, exactly they didn't get that moment you know and I mean, maybe yeah. it was Jimmy's no. curse, you know, maybe the Woodstock 99 curse is Jimmy's curse because everyone kept trying to rip him off the entire fucking festival, <laughs> you know, and everyone, yeah. everyone wanted to have the Jimmy moment. And we all know that at Woodstock 99, the true Jimmy Hendrix moment is Fred Durst crowd surfing on the plywood. <laughs> I, I stand by that. That that's the yeah. Jimi Hendrix moment of this particular Woodstock. Uh, Woodstock '94. I would say the Jimi Hendrix moment is either Green Day being pelted with mud during their set and continuing to play, or Nine Inch yeah. Nails set covered, covered in mud, in mud 
on purpose, you know, right, uh, right. I, I can't decide w- w- which is more of the moment with that, but each Woodstock has that moment and it just has to happen. You can't, <laughs> you can't white gloves on it, you know? Yeah. Oh God. Anyways. Wow. Well, despite all of the insanity and criminal activity that went down at Woodstock 99, the promoters still decided it was a good idea to release a Woodstock 99 uncensored pay-per-view special, which boasted over two hours of unaired footage. However, after the media and consumer backlash, they pulled the plug on that idea. And what the fuck were they censoring? Like, like what, like yeah. what more could they have shown that they didn't already see. I mean, if you like, no matter I what mean, band you're watching, we've we see terrible things happening. Full but nudity. There's but those cameras are rolling constantly, and I mean that would be amazing to to for us to see what was on there because there obviously had to. I mean, and it, who knows? Maybe it did just resemble it, and people were just like, "Hey, Woodstock's over. We don't want to fucking watch this again." It was a big shit show, but there could have been like some crazy shit that in the moment. Who knows? Maybe they were just trying to capitalize on it. And then, I bet like, you it was a lot back, of the like, That was a bad call, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. So, there could have been a ton of nudity or uh, who knows? Like, I mean, I think they had this plan know. all along, you know? But, that I mean, I was reading through uh, the like this article about the pay-per-view special itself, and it didn't really sell that well. I think it it, it, it wasn't the, the best-selling pay-per-view experience ever. So I'm sure this is just another way to recoup losses. But then when people are like, hey, your festival is like, you know, has a big fucking black mark on its forehead because you ended in a riot and there was tons of sexual assaults and now you're promoting this video that is literally just going to show random hands grabbing random boobs and sexually assaulting people like what the fuck and the thing with a concert like that when it's filmed is when you buy your ticket and you walk in there's signs posted that are basically your waiver to agree to be filmed Mm -hmm. you know so so it's you don't have a choice so if you get if you get fucking wasted at the rave and you and someone you know are, are are having sex on the grass and some camera crew comes up and films you that could have been in woodstock 99 uncensored Mm -hmm. you know what i mean right exactly and, yeah. and there would have been nothing you could do about it. And then I guess, an- again, another throwback to 69. You have 69 that has their their famous movie that kind of recouped their losses and kind of solidified and made kind of Woodstock right. the legacy it was. And then you have 99. You have, you have Woodstock 99 uncensored, which is like the most like spring break girls gone wild yeah, title. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. <laughs> you know, you call it, just calling things uncensored. <laughs> It's so fucking 90s. You know Dude, what I we mean? should have called this episode like, fucking Podcast 99 Uncensored. uncensored. <laughs> no, oh, no, you're, you're absolutely right. It's like the original Woodstock movie, which, you know, more than the festival itself, because the, the movie is what really spread the thing. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, Martin Scorsese was a cameraman there. Yeah. You know? And so like, it's like for, for generations to come leading up to the 90s, you had, you know, this perfect document of what an amazing concert with maybe a little bit of trouble, a little bit of danger, a little bit of unknown could come together and become this legendary thing. You know, like that's what that movie represented. And by the time you get to Woodstock 99, yeah, it just comes off like a late night infomercial for a girl's gone wild tape, you know, and it's not this fucking great poignant thing that everyone is going to look back on for years to come as well. Wasn't that special? You know, we had it so good. Look at all the promise here. Instead it becomes like boobs and like waka waka. Yeah. It's like, it's like Woodstock. There's boobs. Yeah. You remember that? <laughs> like, that's that's kind of what the vibe is. And then who knows? Maybe they remixed it. But also, I mean, 
as we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, just how we're ripping on all these feeds of like these pretty shittily mixed bands. Like, I mean, did it sound like that? Cause it's most of the bands sound really, really bad, even if they're not as bad as we've given them shit for. So yeah, it just, it just seems like it would have been pretty disastrous, but I would like to have seen it. Oh know? yeah. It, it would have just been shit on the ground. You know what I mean? It, it wouldn't have been any more music or any, anything that, that, that we, that we saw. Um, yeah, but there was a couple moments, like, I mean, like, when the guy proposes at the end of Mike Ness. Oh, you know, yeah. little stuff like that. Well, that's like, not going to be in Woodstock 99 uncensored, though. Or if it was, they'd be <laughs> like, you know, since it was the 90s, you know, folks, like, of you know, they, they probably would have said, like, some kind of derogatory term, like, on the guy's forehead. He's like, will you marry me? <laughs> yeah. It'd probably been, like, queer, and then fucking, like, you know, gone and shown more boobs or something to, like, a Limp Bizkit song. Like, it, it, it wasn't going to yeah. be anything that anyone needed to see, especially when the wound was so fresh, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. There, there yeah. really wouldn't have even been any purpose for us to see it, because all we would have done is just tell you guys how distasteful it was. So, Woodstock 99 <laughs> Uncensored it exists out there on a shelf. Uh, you know, let it rest there. So <laughs> next episode, folks, uh, again, we, we, you know, that's it. That's it. We're, we, we have left Griffiths now. We are not at Woodstock 99 anymore. We're done. We did it. Wow. I know it took Crazy. us, it took us 40 episodes, several interviews. Uh, we've, we've, you know, had lots of cool people on. We've lost some people in the, in the process. We've done live shows, 40 episodes to cover quintessentially what happened at Woodstock 99. Now, next episode, what we're going to do is we're going to give you some of the media backlash and, and the reactions. And we have a lot of good quotes, uh, that, that we're going to be, you know, sh- sharing with you guys, just kind of what the overall, taste that was left in everyone's mouth was and it wasn't cool refreshing water sold at a reasonable <laughs> price <laughs> but you know it, it rarely is at, at woodstock 99 but yeah that's it i mean and then after that we restart we start culture dumps you know this is crazy yeah i don't uh i don't know what i'll do i mean well start our baby we'll start looking at other dumb shit uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, because culture dumps, folks. Yeah, again, you know, we talk about it all the time because we want to burrow it in your head because we're gonna have new accounts and stuff that you're gonna have to check out. But you know, we're gonna be covering single subjects per episode. Some will be multi-parters, but it's all different stuff. It's not gonna be a huge, you know, mythos like Woodstock '99 was. This is kind of, right. you know, and this was our first show too. So you know, it's we're learning as we go on, and it'll be fun to do different things each episode and kind of you know work out my research muscles and. You know, we'll have more people on, you know, intermittently. We'll have different guests on and, and stuff. But, uh, yeah, we did it. We did We did Woodstock. We did it longer and harder <laughs> than anyone ever has or could ever again. Um, but if you still can't get enough, you can go to patreon.com slash culture dumps where we have tons of exclusive episodes. We have set commentaries up there where you can watch a set along with us. Uh, I've, I just put up a bunch of pictures from uh, newspapers, you know, where I just posted giant, you know, pictures of all these different newspapers, lots of good articles, things like that. We have, you know, exclusive interviews on there. We have some bonus episodes about things that are Woodstock 99 adjacent, but not necessarily about it. So we hope you guys check that out at patreon.com slash culture dumps. And uh, Parks, if you have nothing to add, I think we're, I think we're done. Well, do we want to, Include our little uh, clip. Oh, my God. You're right. Yeah. You know, How can I forget? Special. How yeah. can I forget? So 
I'm just going to nip this in the bud right now before anyone tries to fucking get smart with us. Yes, we paid for this <laughs> because cameo, because I like one of the things I've been doing during during this, you know, stay at home, you know, situation that we're all in is I've been just obsessed with the cameo app. I haven't really bought mm-hmm. any, you know, and cameo for those of you that don't know. Yeah, you don't want to blow your money on it because you're just like, wow, look at all these insane celebrities that I, yeah, could I could look pay at it all 50- day. Yeah, yeah, but you gotta you gotta be really careful of your pick of like who you actually do it, you know? Right. Yeah, and like so, what cameo is is it's a place where celebrities, you know, movie stars, athletes, musicians, they, you know, you can basically rent them to give you a personalized message. So it's anywhere from like twenty to fucking two thousand dollars, and you type in your request, and they send you like a personalized like selfie video message. And we know that you guys all loved our episode about Seven Dust and the mm-hmm. warlord, the king of the whirlpool, Lejean Witherspoon. Neptune. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> the whirlpool king, our Neptune of Woodstock 99, who loves rainbows and, and kind bud. Great voice. Yeah. Well, he was <laughs> on there. Voiceovers. Yeah. And I almost yeah, jumped so the gun. Dude, I almost fucking blew it because I first found the drummer of Seven Dust. I was like, oh shit, the drummer of Seven Dust. Because he's the one that tells the great story about how everyone, it was a mass exodus like, from Jewel right, yeah. to come see mm-hmm. Seven Dust. And so I was like, oh, that'd be really funny to try and get him to like tell that story. But then I saw Lejean and I was like, oh my God, it's the warlord. <laughs> and so, yes, we we paid to have Lejean chime in. And this is what he said. We, I couldn't be more happy with how this turned out, by the way. What a he's, cool fucking he's guy. He's awesome. He seems like a cool guy. Um, yeah, he just, I don't know. He's got a great fucking voice. He should like read, he should like narrate stories or something. I was about to like, say, do, like, dude, audio I, would, books. I would listen to like, a, a book he, on tape. Yeah. So th- this is yeah, Lejean, so play it for Lejean Witherspoon of Seven Dust, uh, giving Podcast 99 a little shout out and a little, uh, a little fun story. What's up, y'all? This is LJ from Seven Dust, Podcast 99, Woodstock 99. Uh, it's incredible to be a part of this podcast. I didn't know that you guys had something like this. I wish I would have known earlier. Uh, I can remember everything about Woodstock 99, uh, especially when we were able to do our show, which was incredible. Uh, the rainbow, the rainbow. I saw, you know, I was screaming at like a crazy person. <laughs> like I'd never seen one, but I just thought at the time it was a beautiful uh, moment for us. Uh, but we got to go see the Red Hot Chili Peppers on the main stage and they had the socks on, they were butt necking, they were rocking out. and fires and stuff were going off everywhere and kind of got out of hand a little bit and I remember them rushing us out artists gotta leave get in your tour buses and get off get off the grounds and you duck down when you go by because they're gonna push your bus over and none of that stuff happened but the excitement of being young and rock and roll and the energy that day that whole day and that whole night the the whole time up to it was incredible and uh, I still my drum tech still to this day well my old drum tech he's went on to work with Lady Gaga which pretty good move We'll still say every once in a while when we're somewhere together at the same place and we might walk in, he'll be, Jean Witherspoon, Woodstock 99. That's not me saying that, that's him. So. <laughs> but what a proud moment in my life. So thank you, uh, Podcast 99 and all you Woodstock lovers out there. I love it. I wish that something like that can happen again in the future when we get past all this craziness. But until then, God bless you guys. Peace. No mention of the whirlpool, but... It's yeah. still fucking perfect. And thank you, Lejean, if you are listening. LJ, I should say, now that we're on uh, that friendly of, of terms. <laughs> best buds. Yeah. 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 At LJ Spoon on Instagram. Just a wholesome family man, dude. Like, what a guy. And he even mentions the rainbow. I love that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, I don't know if he, he listened to our rainbow. episode. I don't know if he'd be stoked or not. I mean, we, like, I felt like we were overly kind uh, on that episode. We were very stoked, but, you know. We were ki- we were as kind as his kind bud. As his kind bud. <laughs> um, no, he, did, he does say something where he's like, I wish I knew about it sooner, which is, like, sort of cryptic. I don't know if that, like... You know, you want to do an episode, an interview, or what? I, I don't know. know. Yeah, it's, I'll fucking have you on because that's yeah. the thing, folks. Once we start culture dumps, like who's to say? I mean, you know, because this this show's still going to be up there for people to hear and all that. So you know, we might get that email one day where it's like, oh, would you need someone to interview? We have this great person, and we just might throw up a, an extra episode of Podcast Ninety Nine just willy nilly. Right? Yeah, we can't. Yeah, it's not like the doors will be shut and locked and throw away. The no, keys, I, I can never know, leave Woodstock develop. fully. Right, of course, of course. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if we find some other crazy shit, we need to, we got to let everyone know. Yeah, like if, like it, if so. someone dropped off a copy anonymously of fucking Woodstock 99 Uncensored, you bet your ass you're going to get another Podcast 99 episode, no matter how deep <laughs> yeah. into culture dumps we are. But yeah, all right, exactly. folks, even though we're, we're, we're closing in here, I still got to say, if you went to, worked at, or played Woodstock 99, please contact us at podcast99official at gmail.com or on Instagram at podcast99. For exclusive Woodstock 99 and Culture Dumps content, please subscribe to patreon.com slash culture dumps. I'm Ryan Lichten. I've been here with Parks Miller. Thank you, and we saw you at Woodstock. <laughs>